came a long way. That's what the song say. And I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, I could do all things. Yeah, yeah, we came a long way. Hey, what's up? What's going on? And welcome to the Be Real Podcast, where we keep it real on social issues, history, news, faith, and everything in between. It's your one-stop podcast with thought-provoking talk and real content. Now, it's time to get real with your host, Brandon Mosley. You already know what I'm going to say. Swag it out. I could do all things, yeah, yeah. I'm from a long way. That's what the songs say. I could do all things, yeah, yeah. That's what the songs say. You can do all things. Welcome, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. Another beautiful day in this beautiful neighborhood, the Be Real Podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. And I can't believe this is the seventh episode, Seven Heaven. I will say if you liked any of the last six, please, please hit me with a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app or any other podcast apps that you may use. And please write a review. Make sure you follow and share the podcast if you enjoy it. Um, allow the people to enjoy it as well. So today we have an interesting topic. We're going to be talking about sun downtowns yes 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 um i think it's an important conversation to have um due to the fact because a it's history and b it's in the um media today and it's in the media today due to a a brilliant new show by the name of lovecraft county i was watching the show last week and the first episode is entitled sundown towns and all through twitter i'm realizing a lot of people a didn't know they exist and b they don't really know the history and the present day of sundown town so i want to talk about that today but before we get into that i want you to listen to this excerpt from um the show but before you listen to it please be aware that this excerpt and many other ones that you hear today will have the N-word in it. No other curse words or anything to that nature, but we'll have uh, the racial slur. So uh, please be aware of that. Who are you? George Freeman, sir. This here is my nephew Atticus and his friend Letitia. Where y'all from? Chicago, sir. You're a long way from home. Oh, we're just passing through, taking a little bathroom break, sir, is all. Any of you all know where the sundown town is? Yes, sir, we do. Well, this is a sundown county. If I had found you pissing in my woods like animals after dark, it would have been my sworn duty to hang every single one of you from them trees. It's not sundown yet? Sunset is at 7.09 today. That's seven minutes from now. Then we'll be out of the county in six. Now that's impossible heading south on the road you're currently on. Unless you were to speed. And if you were to speed, I'd have to pull you over. Then we'll head north. That might work. Why don't you give it a try? We will, sir. Is it legal to make a U-turn here? Aren't you a smart one? Now, ordinarily, I would consider a U-turn a violation. But if you ask me real nice, 
I might just let it go this time. Please. Oh, you can do better than that. Say, pretty please, will you let this smart nigga make a U-turn here? Pretty please, will you let this smart nigga make a U-turn here? All right. Just this one time since you asked so nicely. Yeah, blood's boiling, right? Uh, that's an amazing show. It has science fiction with real-world racial issues and just life just all mixed into one so far. Second episode's coming out on Sunday. Um, so here's the deal. That is what sheriffs would do, escort people out of sundown towns or counties, right? Super insane, and especially with the climate of today, looking at the police interaction with this African-American male, is is kind of eerie and, and, and scary at the same time. And just to think, it's what my grandparents had to deal with, right? People like that. Um, and we still have to deal with, right? Um, maybe not to that extent, but it, it's, it's still a reality. Um, so, so let's talk about a, a story I have. You know, I'm always going to have a story. So back in 2006, this is the day of the Rose Bowl game against uh, with, I'm sorry, USC versus Texas. Right. And um, you, this is when USC was rolling there big time. And I had a friend who went to UCSD and I went to Cal State Dominguez Hills and I used to go visit him and and. Uh, UCSD. I had a good time, and he had a, he had a friend that lived in Laguna Beach, and at the time Laguna Beach was like the place to be because MTV had that show um, back in like 04 all the way up through like 05, 06. So he says, "Let's go out there for the day and spend the day out there with, with my buddy." And I met his buddy before, and when we were there, we went to like you know different places, we went to eat, we went to his friend's house that was overlooking like some like. Overlooking the water, it was like a home type of home I've never been into been in my life. It was like multi million dollar home. It was crazy, right? But the whole time we also we went to a pizza shop, went to In and Out, went a couple to the beach, a couple places, uh, a couple other places, and I noticed that I literally was the only African American person the whole time, right? And obviously, you think it's Laguna Beach, it's Orange County, what you expect, right? But it was just being an 18-year-old or freshly a just-turned 19-year-old kid coming from a city that was diverse and going to a college that was very diverse, it was weird, right? Um, and we've been taught to, as a kid, you know, be leery and leery of, of certain certain surroundings especially if you're one of, if you're the only one um so i'm thinking like i grew up watching like greenwood that movie so i'm thinking like what if these everyone just want to turn on me right and it, it may seem absurd to many people but that's a reality in many towns for people so you know if you're only one and i'm looking around like bro i'm i don't know about this so we need to get out we go to in and out like literally it's like a hundred odd people there and i'm not only person of color there other than my my friend but he's 
half white, so he could be pretty much passed for white. So it's just me. So I'm like, bro, we gotta we gotta get out of here. We gotta get back to to what we used to. Um, and it was just weird to me, right? And in reality, there's towns like that right now where there is no people of color. And being in Southern California, that's like unheard of for us, we think. But Laguna Beach is in Southern California. So I want you to kind of think about that. Um, and the things that we're going to talk about today consist of, you know, what a sundown town is. Where are they? How can you how was it even one created um, the history of them? And what's the current status of sundown town towns? So that's what we're going to get into It's jam packed. So so let's get into it. So what is a sundown town? So looking at the definition from James Lowen, the man who wrote the book on sundown towns, literally the very first book going back in the early 2000s. And he's an expert on on sundown towns. There's simply what he calls a town that is on purpose white only, that they put extreme focus on being either white only or very close to white only only, meaning they are they may allow one or two uh, families of color. Um, Another name for sundown towns, there's a few would be sundown suburbs, sunset towns. And in the Ozarks, uh, which is like the mountain terrain areas of like Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma and Kansas, where they all meet, they call them gray towns. Um, So with that being said, people say, so how would you know a town is, you know, a sundown town, much as like that show when they drove in and and they just could tell that something was wrong? Um, the very first thing you will notice and excuse uh, the use of the N-word will be a sign displayed while you're entering in the town. And the sign would normally say, nigger, don't let the sun set on you here in such and such town. Right. And another thing that you will be able to see in certain areas um, would be a black mule painted somewhere. And that black mule in certain towns can still be found and seen in places in towns in Tennessee, Arkansas, and Texas, right? Another big telltale sign would be the name of businesses. Businesses will be named using three Ks, such as Cozy Cottage Camp, spelled with all Ks, no Cs, all Ks, or Clean Country Cottage. And here's another one that was a recent one that I've been around and just recently closed, Kathy's Country Kitchenware, and all that was code for Ku Klux Klan, of course, and white-only establishments. Another way they would tell, like in Florida, would be they say in the 1930s, if African-American heard of a town with palm in the name, they would think to themselves, sundown town. In Indiana, any town with a color name in, in it would be a no-go. The Greenwood would be a no-go. Brownstown would be a no-go, right? And any other American town that would have the name white in it, such as White City, Kansas, right? Then another way to find out, there's so many like little cold ways, and all these towns were actually sundown towns, would be towns with idealistic names, such as 
Equality, Illinois, right? Or Liberty, Indiana. So places like that would be telltale signs for African-Americans that you don't need to be there at all. And if you do go after dark, you shouldn't be found there. Um, And Sundown Town stretched unofficially from the east to the west. And a lot of times in the media, like in film, we literally think towns like that was nothing but in the south. But ironically, there was little to no sundown towns in the south. All the sundown towns stretched from the east to the west. Official sundown towns was mainly the Midwest and West Coast. So we're talking about states like Illinois, Missouri, Indiana, and stretch as far west as Oregon, Washington, California, just to name a few. And most of the or most of the route of uh, Route 66, which was the famous route that everyone drove leaving out of the Midwest to go west, um, was sprinkled with towns that were sundown towns. So if you were going out for a drive for a vacation, chances are you're going to drive by a sundown town. So you may be asking yourself, like, how do they create sundown towns? Like, how does that happen, right? So one very popular way is this thing called violence. So let's talk about, I got a couple stories for you. And the very first one is from Springfield, Missouri. So Springfield, Missouri is actually the birthplace of Route 66. So in 1906, Easter weekend, a religious holiday, right, where we're celebrating the the death of Christ, resurrection, and this is big for every Christian, and, and this area is very religious, right? Literally, a mob of 3,000 angry white men went to a jail to drag out two men, Horace Duncan and Fred Coker, right? They were accused by a white woman of some form of abuse, right? And no evidence has been shown yet. And what they end up doing, they drag these two men to the town square and they hang these men, burn their bodies with thousands of people watching, and then distribute the body parts for souvenirs, right? Later, the mob went back to the jail and lynched a third man, Will Allen. And afterwards, before they could go back, and this is when the, the police officers and the, and the guards of the jail literally left um, and did not help protect the men. They were going back to lynch another man. And before they could, the state militia stopped them, finally came. So after lynching three men, two days later, the woman uh, could possibly say that Duncan and Coker were not her assailants, that they were innocent. Mm. Then we look back within the town, uh, the days following African-Americans left the town and left their homes and their property immediately following those lynchings. That's Springfield, Missouri. A second example of this type of violence we see in Springville, I'm sorry, uh, Springfield, Illinois, the, the hometown of Lincoln. And 
this happens two years later, 1908. A mob tried to grab two black men, one charged with murder, the other charged with rape. No, no court date set yet. And the guards protect the men and whisk them away. The mob is angered by this and started to chant, A Lincoln brought you in, we will drive you out. Speaking of black people, of course. They started to loot and burn black homes and black businesses. And some blacks started to try to fight back. One of them happened to be Scott Burton, which happened to be overcome by the crowd and was the first man killed through lynching. A second man was lynched, an 84-year-old man, which happened to be a shoe cobbler by trade, was lynched as well. And many people said the reason why he was lynched was because they did not like that he was married to a white woman for over 30 years. All right. Overall, six additional black people were shot uh, dead and hundreds of thousands in that time's money was destroyed property wise. So afterwards, over 2000 blacks left the town. They were driven out. W.E. Du Bois credited that uh, incident to one of the reasons why he started the NCAA P, CP, I'm sorry, NAACP a year later. And to think this type of violence happened two years apart in towns four hours away from each other. And, and, and here's the deal. A lot of times we think, oh, that's just the early 1900s. Well, similar events like this happened all the way up to 1954, right? And on top of all that, violence consisted in these areas. Another way they would create forms of, of sundown towns would be through banking, real estate practices, and of course, simply put, just redlining. And here's a funny fact. Every planned community that happened to be planned by a single developer or owner from 1890 through 1960 prevented African-Americans from purchasing homes. Places like Levittown, right? And I want, I want you to listen to this, in, this excerpt from Martin Luther King. We sent Negroes in large numbers to the real, the real estate offices in Gage Park. Every time Negroes went in, the real estate agent said, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have anything listed. Now you can find something somewhere else, and it was always back in the ghetto, but they didn't have anything. And then soon after that, we sent some of our fine white staff members into those same real estate offices and the minute the white persons got in they opened the book oh yes well we have several things now what do exactly do you want so yeah this was a common practice so just a just a little background Martin Luther King is speaking in Chicago at this point and remember um, if I didn't tell you Route 66 actually starts in, a, in Illinois and the show Lovecraft County the characters are also from, guess what, Chicago. So understand that at the time in Chicago and many, many cities in general, 
real estate agents would practice um, routinely not showing African-Americans houses um, in white neighborhoods. And the reason why is part of it, the idea of redlining, which I promise I would do an episode on redlining one day. It was all about ensuring to keep certain communities in the green. And the green areas was normally areas that were owned by whites. And for some reason, banks and pop property in terms of property would be devalued if African-Americans moved in the community. So to stop that from happening, they would have gentlemen agreements, meaning if you own this house, you won't sell to anyone that's not white. And if you're a real estate agent, you would not show my home to anyone but white people, bottom line. And this was a way, even if you qualified, if you luckily qualified through the banks, which was another issue within itself, a different story, you would not be shown a house you're qualified for. And then you have to go back to the ghettos. And a lot of times the ghettos are overcrowded and therefore you couldn't buy a home. So you had to rent. And that means you would never build wealth. Right. And that would keep that area completely white. Right. So with that being said, what, like, let's talk about the history of these towns. So they start, we see the first idea of a sundown town actually in Oregon. In 1844, the area of Oregon bans all black people from a living in the state altogether, which this is soon to be in the court and end up being dropped. But um, towns started to adopt the sundown uh, rules. Afterwards, the Chinese Exclusionary Act of 1862, many California cities started to exclude uh, Chinese Americans and started uh, sundown town rules with them, saying and having signs that every Chinese person would have to leave town by nightfall. Uh, this was also happening in Gardenville, Nevada, where at 6 p.m., the whistle will blow and will inform every Native American to leave town right away. In Colorado, towns will say will have signs that will read no Mexicans allowed after dark. And other places in Nevada will also have signs saying the same thing, but, but about Japanese Americans. So this idea of sundown town was not just for African-Americans. If you notice, all these places are on the West Coast. Right. And we start to see like the big structure of sundown towns really start happening in 1890 through 1970 at at its peak. And this starts to happen because there's a great exodus from the south into the north, the northwest, the northeast and the Midwest. And these towns started to in the thousands adopt sundown town rules. Many of them were happened to be on Route 66, which if you're African-American wasn't an issue until you had to start traveling. And by the 1920s, people started to own cars. People started to take leisure trips and African-Americans started to travel as well. So what happens is in 1930, when travel starts to be pretty big, 44 of the 89 counties that line Route 66 were considered sundown towns, right? And Route 66 started in Illinois, meaning that's where, where you would get on. And 
in Illinois, there was hundreds of sundown towns. And that's why the Green Book was even started in the beginning. African-Americans had to carry the Green Book. One of the slogans of the Green Book would be, uh, you never know when you need it, right? And with that being said, these towns were literally shut down for all African-Americans, and they boasted it, where postcards would say, not a Negro in sight, right? And at the end of Route 66 happened to be this amazing state that we live in, that I live in, right? California. And towns such as La Jolla that wouldn't allow blacks or Mexicans to buy or rent, Hawthorne in the 1930s, who actually had one of the city limit signs that said, nigger, don't let the sun set on you in Hawthorne. And also Orange County, which was the staple of sundown towns in California. Okay. And the crazy thing is, in the city of Orange in the 1930s and 40s, was well known for African-Americans and Mexicans not to stay there after dark. Brea was another town that was founded in 1917, but didn't have its first residence of African-American descent until 1940. Okay, let that sink in. And this is Southern California, the liberal state of California, right, that we live in today. And understand, the reason why Orange County was so friendly to the idea of stopping and blocking African-Americans from being um, a part of the community is because they had a rich history in the Klan. Henry Head was the leader, was one of the leaders of the Klan. He also was one of the driving forces to have the Orange, to have Orange County succeed from L.A. County in the late 1800s. Okay, and by the 1920s, the Klan started to patrol streets in Orange County towns, such as Anaheim and had relationships and had members that were police officers, elected officials, and also many of the founders of the city of Brea, Brea, I'm sorry, was Klan members, okay? They also had other groups such as the Native Sons and the John Birch Society, all racist groups, right? And many African-American or African, I'm sorry, African transfer students to Chapman University in the 1960s reported being consistently stopped and harassed by the police when they left campus. Many Orange County cities also within their their deeds would have clauses that would say property could not be sold, transferred, leased, rented or occupied by anyone but white people. And the only exception to have a person of color to occupy the residence was if they were simply being a servant to the person who lived there. So that means you could clean and you could work there, but you will have to leave once the the sun is down. The norm of this, of this sundown town, uh, was simply the idea of preventing blacks from moving in. And the scary thing about that is that these towns will stop at nothing to prevent people from moving in. And one crazy story comes from 1951. A man named Harvey Clark, a bus driver from Chicago, and and this guy, a hardworking fella, decided to 
get an apartment in uh, Cicero, Illinois, which was nine miles away from Illinois, which is not far. I mean, nine miles away from Chicago. So it's a, a local drive. And when he gets there in his van to move into his apartment, he noticed there's police officers there. And one of the officers there happened to actually be the chief of police, the head cop. He's there. And they stopped him from moving in and said he needed some form of a permit. Clark calls his real estate agent and the real estate agent says there's no such thing as a permit. That's a lie. So they would not let him move in. They rough him, rough him up and forced him to leave. Two weeks later, he, he gets the NC, uh, I'm sorry, NAACP uh, to help him get an injunction to stop the police from preventing him from moving in and force the PD to serve as some form of protection while he moves in. Additional two weeks later, he finally moves in and there's a crowd of white people screaming racial slurs across the street. Later that night, while he's in the apartment, people threw stones and broke the windows. The next night, he decided, like, bro, I'm not staying there tonight. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to go back and stay somewhere else for the night. Luckily, he did because the very next night, there's a crowd who looted his apartment threw his furniture out the window, and then burned all his items in the courtyard. The very next night after they looted his apartment, 3,500 angry white people gathered, and guess what they did? They rioted throughout the whole area and couldn't, wouldn't stop until the National Guard came. And violence like this was regular to a point where even a 17-year-old male was killed um, years later. People were stoned years later. I thought stones were thrown at them years later as well. And it went as far as in 1987 that they firebombed someone's house and um, also shot guns at them to prevent them from moving in to a home in that city. Right. And this is nine miles, Cicero, nine miles away from Chicago. And. Another story of preventing African-Americans from even being in these towns after dark was a story from 1968. And this young woman was 20 years old, Carol Jenkins. She had just got a brand new job. It was her first day on the job, and her job was to sell encyclopedias. As a kid, I remember them coming door to door. And she was going door to door, and she wanted to impress her boss so much that she she volunteered to go to this town called Martinsville, Indiana. This place was known to be a sundown town, but she thought she was going to be okay because she was traveling with three other people, two white guys and another African-American person. They get there, they split up, start doing their work, and she gets followed, and, and someone, these two guys are doing cat calls and racial slurs away. She goes to someone's house, they call the police, they check on the guys, and the guy said we didn't do anything. And that was that. Um, she went looking for her her co-workers, couldn't find them. The uh, the person who called the police for her walked with her. Then she, she just told him, you know, I, I'm fine. Thank you for your help. Yada, yada. And she went to the place that she was supposed to meet up with these with her co-workers. And before she got there, um, she was murdered. She was held down and stabbed in the heart with, with a screwdriver and left there to die. Her murderer didn't get caught until um, 
the early 2000s, I believe around 2002-ish, um, where his daughter, seven-year-old, she was seven years old at the time, witnessed the murder, and she finally came forth uh, in her 30s and sent a letter to the police department. So this is what's happening in sundown town all the time. And we have to understand that sundown towns are as American as, as apple pie. So much so that many of the presidential candidates of the 20th century lived in sundown towns at one point in their lives. Warren G. Harding ran his front porch campaign from Marion, Ohio, a sundown town, which happened to actually run off African-Americans a few months prior. Truman grew up in Lamar Mills, Missouri, sundown town. LBJ and Bush Jr. and Dick Cheney all lived in sundown towns. Bush Jr., his, his home that was in Highland Park, did not, that community did not um, welcome a African-American family until June 2004. Joe McCarthy, the famous guy, right? Um, Appleton, Wisconsin, sundown, sundown town. And it's so crazy that sundown towns even play a part in all our, some of our favorite snacks, right? Spam. That ain't one of my favorite snacks. I'm going to let y'all know that right now. I don't eat Spam for nothing. But if you eat Spam, you know, I don't. that's on you. I, I don't eat Spam. But that's from a sundown town. Guess what? KFC. I don't eat KFC either. I'm over a Popeye's guy. Sundown town. Heath bars. Those are pretty good. Sundown town. Krispy Kreme donuts was created in a sundown town. This one hurts. Tootsie Rose, Sundown Town, right? And here's a crazy thing. One of the most controversial and famous films of all time, Gone with the Wind, filmed in a sundown town, Culver City. That's California. So as you can see, sundown towns were and is part of the fabric of America. Now, let's look at where, what's going on today and what has happened in recent history. Take a listen to this Oprah insert from 1987. ...that were broadcast around the globe. There's no niggers here. Why should they even come, you know? They asked for it. They got it. So why'd they come back, you know? hard to believe that this show aired nearly 30 years ago. Oprah's show in Forsyth was causing an uproar. As protests were going on outside, tempers were heating up inside too. Somebody tell me, where did the people who come from who were shouting, nigger go home? They came from, right they came from where? Yes, ma'am. They came from, my name's Frank Shirley. I'm the head of the committee to keep Forsyth and Dawson County white. They... Let him speak. Please let him speak. He has the right to speak. Okay, the news media is covered up. There were thousands of white people that came out to join our white people's protest. This is the largest white people's protest against communism and race mixing in the last 30 years. The news media has deliberately covered up the nature of the Brotherhood marchers, many of whom are commu outright communists and homosexuals, and our organization was the only one that dared take a stand against them. They, marched, they brought in so thousands. you're not just anti-black, you're also anti-gay, too. I'm opposed to communism, race mixing, and low morals, and homosexuals are of low morals, in my opinion. You don't believe that people of other races have the right to live here? 
they have the right to live wherever they want to, but we have the right to choose if we want a white community also. That's why we moved here. You believe. That's what you believe. Wow, right? This was 1987. I was born. That wasn't that long ago. I'm alive in 1987. So understand that. This really scared, very eerily sounds like it could be happening right now with protesting um, their rights, Trump's people of color rights. The lady at the end said, you know, they have a right to live wherever they want to, but we have the right to have a white community. So they can't live wherever they want to because they can't live in your community because you want a white community. Then the guy speaking of communism because someone is asking for free, fair treatment, then started bringing out, bringing up, um, the gay community out of nowhere, like, what? What are, you, what, what are you talking about? And this is the reality that people live in even today. This guy's talking about the news is covering up stuff. That sounds like, guess what? Fake news. So this is the reality, the America that we're living in today. And that was 1987. So many people could say that Sundown Towns is a thing of the past. They no longer affect America. They're not around anymore. Well, here's some news for you. They are alive and well. Route 66, instead of having, you know, some towns that openly say that we're sundown town, they now say things such as signs that would say American owned, a.k.a. white owned, not owned by immigrants, not owned by people of color. American own and recently uh, finally a place closed called Kathy's Country Kitchen which closed I believe a couple years ago but they didn't close until they had their servers wear a shirt that said I got caught eating at the KKK that was like 2014 they were wearing that shirt. Let that sink in. All right. And the scary thing is Route 66, where it originated in Missouri, was literally a couple miles away from Ferguson, the very spot that Mike Brown was murdered and left to bleed out for four hours in the middle of the street, a modern day lynching. A couple miles from Route 66 and from many sundown towns of the past. So, yes, they're alive and well, and this is how they're still alive and well as well in California. Orange County is still about 2% African-American today. La Jolla is only 0.8% african-american today and the university that happens to be there ucsd is only four percent african-american and guess what springfield missouri where that that lynching took place 88 percent white their population and only four percent african-american And before you say, well, maybe that place is expensive, just like La Jolla and Orange County and people of color are just being priced out that way. The average home in Springfield, Missouri, is one hundred and forty eight thousand dollars. Cicero has similar population and many other 
formerly held sundown towns, which remember means purposely all white, is still the same case that they're majority majority or simply all white. So to to be very clear, these places on purpose kept it white by using violence, threats, um, banking, redlining, local policies to prevent African-Americans from living in those places. And they kept that fear about being in that town alive and well to make sure people of color wouldn't move in. Welcome back to another Be Inspired moment. And I want to read this quote from C.J. Lewis, and it reads as follows. You are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. Sometimes in life we feel like we're getting too old or our dreams are past us up. And we either give up and decide that this is just what life is going to be. And I'm here to tell you, you're never too old to realize a new dream or even an old dream. That you're never too old to consider yourself a person to pursue your goals. And for those who have made one or two goals, it's time for you to make new ones. Have your goals become moving targets where that once you reach one, it's time to keep going for another. Continue to pursue um, greatness. Continue to look for being your best. Do not give up on yourself. Do not give up on your dreams. And I think you're literally right around a corner from where you want to be. Sundown towns are a part of America's hidden history. It's woven in the fabric of America that can be clearly seen present day. They are to blame for many of the issues that people of color and African Americans face. It's the relic people think of a time long ago. But for many people of color, it's present day proof of systemic racism. African Americans and people of disenfranchised groups see these things as reality today. And we're told to get over history, forget about it and move on. But it's difficult to move on when it still is present day. The systemic racism that we see today is the same that we saw yesterday and we're hoping we won't see tomorrow with that being said have a good one keep it real